definitely know. You should go back to MTV. But you know, there's no turning back now. This is what makes me. All of you. This is what I am, family. I made it. Are you suffering from erectile dysfunction? And I can't stand it. Do you suffer from the following symptoms? It's too soft, too small, and completely, utterly useless. Let me tell you something. 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 Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell Greetings, Grapple fans! It's time once again for two different professional wrestling obsessives to debate over the wild waves of the interweb and then provide it to you in a podcast form. Yes, it's Let Me Tell You Something. I'm your co-host, Lorca Mullen, and with me as always is the warlord to my barbarian, the test to my Albert, the James Dick to my Chad Dick, Mr. Simon Cross. Simon, how you doing, mate? I am doing fantastic. I less than a month um, from flying out to my first ever WrestleMania, mm-hmm. so everything right now is a uh, gravy. Um, right now, to be honest, yeah, pretty yeah, gravy. We like to try and not date our podcast particularly, but thematically, I think WrestleMania is quite important for the what, what we're going to be discussing. And you know, you can't deny Simon the excitement of being able to talk about his. First WrestleMania excursion. The first of many, do you hope, Simon? Or I guess you'll decide if it's the first of many after your experiences in a month's time. Um, I mean, at the way I currently feel, uh, I hope it's the first of several. Um, but I don't know. I, I could be horribly, horribly disillusioned come at, uh, five or six weeks' time. And your bank manager could be horribly, horribly angry with you, for all we know. Uh, it, it'd be more uh, you as a taxpayer, since <laughs> most of this is coming from tax rebates. Oh, very nice. Or not, perhaps. But since we're talking about WrestleMania, Simon, it seems appropriate that maybe we should do another one of our uh, talks about a particular professional wrestler. In the past, we've discussed mm-hmm. Kane, and we've also discussed the 10 years of dominance of John Cena, circa 2005 to 2015. So I think since we're coming up to WrestleMania, then I think we should discuss one of the WrestleMania headlines. Now, headliners. Now, over the last 30 years of professional, of uh, WrestleMania main events, we have seen the likes of your Hulk Hogan's, your Randy Savage's, your um, Shawn Michaels, your Bret Hart's, your Stone Cold Steve Austin's, your Rock's, your Cena's. But we're not going to be talking about any of them, are we, Simon? (laughs) Who's the WrestleMania headliner we'll be talking about today? Uh, that would be Mike the Miz Mizanin, as I believe it's pronounced, mm. uh, who has headlined one WrestleMania and one WrestleMania in particular, which is, I think has been voted as the second worst WrestleMania of all time. So um, 
somewhat harshly, I feel, in terms of uh, laying the blame at his uh, Mrs. Dorf for that. Many people tend to. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think I'll have snowballed like, loads of different topics into one there. But yes, as a long story short, it's The Miz. We're talking about The Miz. Now, I realise a fair portion of you might have actually ended this episode by now, but those of you who still have a morbid curiosity to see how we, t- uh, how we dissect such a Marmite character as the Miz, stick with us because it's it's going to be quite interesting. Hmm. Well, I guess Simon, you became a wrestling fan around two thousand and two. Is that right? Uh, yeah. So two thousand two, uh, not two. I'd say that was the birth. The, I think that was my the, the birth of my wrestling fandom. Uh, but I'd say it more kicked in. Around the 2005-06 mark. Which is well, around the time that the Miz first started showing up on WWE TV. Um, I think it, the first thing he did as an active member of the roster, well, a prospective member of the roster, was when he took part in the uh, Tough Enough Challenge that also introduced us to uh, one Ryan Reeves, I think his name is, later to be known as Ryback. And also saw Daniel Puder make his brief foray into the WWE, which included him legit beating Sh- uh, Kurt Angle for all intents and purposes in a shoot fight. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, we well, mentioned Puder. Puder, of course, uh, beat The Miz in the final of Tough Enough, uh, which, and so The Miz carrying on the rich tradition of Tough Enough of runner-ups and also runs doing far better than the winners of the competition mm. read into that what you will well, uh, i guess but... it's, it's um it's less of an albatross around your neck isn't it you get the experience but you don't necessarily get the sense of disappointment or um heightened expectations being put on your shoulders um i think everyone will always say that wade barrett could only went so far after nxt after winning the first season of nxt and uh caval loki went uh even less for far um compared to the others and i can't even remember who won the diva um nxt was that aj that won that one or was it caitlin or i don't know it, i'm not too sure i know there both of them were in the latter stages. I couldn't honestly tell you who won the Divas uh, NXT. And there's proof in the Off pudding the that, that, that a lot of these um, reality-based shows, these WWE trying to point out that they're not a wrestling show, that there's something different to that, and they're taking the, the genre of wrestling and taking it somewhere else, is one of the main reasons, I think, that Vince McMahon and the WWE management machine liked The Miz. They liked The Miz a lot more than the fans did, and they liked The Miz a lot more, from what we understand, than the rest of the locker room did. Because The Miz was certainly a man that did not have his fans in the locker room. There were legends of him being kicked out of the locker room and forced to change outside of it for, I think, months, because he ate some chicken over um, Chris Benoit's bags or something crazy like that. Yeah, I, I was about to say it was Benoit who uh, was rumoured to be the person who ejected him forcibly from the locker room. Mm. He may have won that battle, but the war was won, I think you'll agree. <laughs> well, there was a lot of friendly fire in that war, <coughs> if we're going down that path. Yeah, but I think if most people had to decide who they will um, favour in the morality game of life, I guess the Miz is not quite as egregious as... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oof. His rap sheets. That... 
is a. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the the Miz is is just a better person um, all round. If, I mean, if it is going... like being the thinnest kid in fat camp, but you know, it's still you know. But that's that's one of the interesting things about the Miz is that he he came in through the different path. He didn't. I mean, he did wrestle before he came to the WWE. The wrestling was always his love, but he he became famous through MTV. He became famous through being on reality shows and it wasn't just that he did the real world i think he did things like um road rules is that what it's called and uh he did fear factor and and he was just a he was one of those celebrities that just cycled through reality shows for several years before finally making it to the wwe like an american jade goody I guess so, or um, that bloke at a boy zone that just ended up doing every one of those celebrity things that he was offered, you know? Oh, which one was that? Keith or Shane? It was uh, Irish one. Shane. Shane Dossie. <laughs> there it's, you go. Yeah, I don't know. what The one, I think the one that ended up doing, I don't know, just... The one that was in Coronation Street for a while, for yeah. some unknown reason. See, like, like, whilst around 2002 2003 2004 i was very aware of the independent scene i knew where the likes of cm punk brian danielson paul london brian kendrick i knew where they came from when they made it onto the main tv shows of the wwe or or tna or new japan i have no interest in american reality shows they are my least favorite form of entertainment i cannot watch total divas i cannot watch the Apprentice, or the American version of The Apprentice. I can barely bring myself to watch the British version of The Apprentice these days. <laughs> it's just a genre that I never had any interest in, so that automatically made me dislike The Miz because he seemed to be a guy that's embraced this very vapid form of celebrity that we have in this day and age. You know, I always say, I've got this bit in my stand-up, where I say that there's two stratas of uh, celebrities now on these celebrity shows. There are those that did things in the past and and they go in their mind you can see it in their eyes they're going i can't believe i'm doing celebrity big brother and then there's this new generation that you can see in their eyes they're like i can't believe i'm doing celebrity big brother and and the miss seem to come from the latter generation that that generation they just wanted fame at all costs and to hell with the consequences, you know? If The Miz hadn't been signed up by the WWE, he would have probably done the British version of Celebrity Big Brother at this point. He would have done every which way, you know, every single reality show that was available to him and all the public appearances afterwards, you know? He is a man that enjoys fame, I think. And that's why Vince loves him. And I think that's one of the... Your reaction is the reaction they sort of... So, so quickly to elicit from the audience when he first started uh, the little mannerisms that accentuated it, the fact that he would just see, seem to be up for anything uh, even the stupid stuff that uh, is the darker side of the E in WWE such as uh, you know uh, the hoorah um, catchphrase, uh, him walking down to the ring with that stupid arms by his sidewalk, or the mohawk that he had. Mm. I think he, he had. Um, I think well, when he started, he was a host of SmackDown, and yes. he also hosted the Diva Search thing. He was just a shill. He wasn't a wrestler. He he wasn't perceived as a wrestler, um, even by Vince McMahon. It seemed he just was seen as a a conduit 
to a potential audience out there that they're trying to cater now with things like Total Divas. They're trying to find a new audience. And that was what Miz was seen as. He was seen as a, a, a means of getting to those vapid MTV, the Hills, the Kardashians, the you know, those sort of people. And it had the effect that you don't see now, with the possible exception of this new season of Total Divas with Amanda being on it, of having someone who won or placed in a tough enough competition being on TV consistently afterwards. The only other exception I can really think to that is Maven, who wrestled after Tough Enough quite, quite for quite a while. Well, they didn't um, have a developmental system at that point nearly as much as they do now. They didn't have that sort of, you know, you, you can see it when you watch uh, Breaking Ground. They have the different levels of teaching and then that, that that level depends on whether you're on the show or not, whether you're on the TV show. Uh, essentially, when you're on the TV show, they're like 95% confident that you will be good enough to eventually be on the WWE's regular TV. Um, whereas back in the day with Maven, they didn't know that. When they sent him out against The Undertaker and, and had him eliminate him, which is still probably the thing he's most famous for and will always be the thing he's most famous for. He'd only been wrestling for like six months at that point. And they were sending him to Ohio Valley, but they were also keeping him on the main roster for most of that time. So there wasn't that, that, that I don't know, not postgraduate period, but you know what I mean, don't you? That, uh, that, that finishing school. Yeah. Yeah. Polishing the, yeah, essentially because it became that thing of WWE, I don't think they didn't respect the indie background. It seemed they didn't respect uh, the idea of getting um, experience outside of the WWE. To them, someone like the Miz was the perfect person for them because he just was willing to shill their line. He was, you know, everyone accuses ECW wrestlers of drinking the Kool Aid of Paul Heyman. This was a man that drank the Kool Aid of Vince McMahon, and he will parrot any corporate line that he's given in DVDs, in promotional appearances, on commentary. He is the, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a QVC spokesperson. That's what he is. He's, his gift is that he will do exactly what Vince McMahon tells him to do. Or at least that's the perception I, I get when I watch him. I mean, I see him as a man that's content to be that person, not, not content to, not, wanting to rock the boat or have any pretenses about himself as a character. I mean, it's rare to see someone who reached the top of the mountain. I mean, I know we're going to jump back and forth with this. Mm. I don't think we're going to do this in like a, a timeline order, no. but it's very weird to see a man who had who reached the main event of WrestleMania 27 uh, get mocked by uh, doing like a fake impotent advert almost like five years later uh well it's not even that the year after that he was in what that 14 person tag team match like literally uh, that was a couple of years later uh what was he doing in 28 28 i'm fairly sure he was on the pre-show i will just double check that but even that's another point isn't it that you go from headliner to pre-show I mean, as the, I think the only other comparison that people make is King Kong Bundy, 
where he went from WrestleMania 2 main eventing against Hulk Hogan in a steel cage match to WrestleMania 3 feuding with Hillbilly Jim in a mixed tag team match with four midget wrestlers. That's the only comparable fall from grace, really. And it and that fall, I mean, he'd main evented the Survivor Series five months earlier with R-Truth against um, The Rock and John Cena. So the fall was even more dramatic in that five-month period. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, peculiar. I think I don't... Because that was a whole weird thing where The Miz had obviously been somewhat previously embroiled with the John Cena Rock uh, at early stages of their rivalry to the point where in one of WWE's dodgier post-Attitude Era moments, The Miz dressed... And seemed to tan like The Rock for a section where he came out dressed as The Rock and Rock Bottom Cena. Now, I remember watching that Raw live, and well, not live, uh, the next day, because uh, I, I would have been at university at the time. I'm thinking, ooh, ooh that, 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 that's a bit X-Pac as Mark Henry, that. It's not I the same know, level. You got but... Yeah, you know, I don't want to say Fifty Shades of Grey, but if you look at... <laughs> The amount of body tan that The Miz usually does use, even when he's not impersonating The Rock, and the uh, the rainbow culture that is the skin of The Rock, um, it, it's not it's not X Pac pretending to be Mark Henry levels, but I understand it's on that spectrum. Let's put it that way. True. Uh, on that point, whilst I was just making uh, that. Julex color chart analogy. I did just check, and it's it's you who's correct with the WrestleMania orders. I've got uh, twenty eight and twenty nine mixed up. He went from main eventing to being part of a twelve man tag for control for uh, control of Raw and SmackDown to being on the pre show for the IC title for in twenty nine, where he won that match and drops the belt the next night on Raw. So, yeah, I mean that 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 free that WrestleMania to WrestleMania to WrestleMania career progression, it, it's a pretty steep uh, de- decline, really. Well, let's 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 ask that though. This is this is what I would question though: Is the Miz going from WrestleMania twenty five twenty six, where he's in the mid card, he's with John Morrison against the Colognes, he's doing, I think he's he was in a tag team with the Big Show, the WrestleMania before that one, against John Morrison and R-Truth, I think that's what it was, and then he went to um, main eventing against John Cena, WrestleMania 27, and then WrestleMania 28, he's in that 12-man, 14-man tag team match, WrestleMania 29, he's in the Intercontinental title match, and I think after that, he's probably been in the Andre the Giant Battle Royals for the last two years. Now, is that a demotion or was that a realignment? Was that the Miz going to where he is naturally comfortable and that is a perennial mid-carder? So, uh, to sort of rephrase the question then, because uh, you've gone for like the glass... Uh, well, uh, yeah, to re- sort of rephrase the question you're saying... Do you do you view the Miz main eventing WrestleMania as an aberration then? Yes. And it was just a case of he never should have been there in the first place. Not it was a missed opportunity to keep him there. He was there as a stopgap for John Cena and The Rock. 
in many ways, I know CM Punk's bitter about it not being him against John Cena at WrestleMania 27 because he thought he was a better performer than the Rock, than the Miz was, and he's right. But what the Miz was was a means of sort of giving a precursor to John Cena taking on someone that embodies Hollywood and stardom. It's like he's taking well, he's the Miz. His name became the Miz. That was his version of the Rock. So it was almost like the you know. John Cena taking on like the, I don't know the, the 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 schmuck before the the real deal. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like the only wrestling analogy I can think of is that Sting wrestled a series of imitators of the Black Scorpion before he finally fought the Black Scorpion. The hmm. the Miz was like fake Black Scorpion number two, and The Rock was actual Black Scorpion. If you get what I mean. Uh, I see where you're coming from. It's it was, sort it was of one. It was Act One of a three-act play, and it's, it's like it's like the Miz, the Miz was a member like of the Duncan. flock. Yeah, and the, Miz the Rock King, was the Miz is King Duncan, and the Rock and John Cena are Macbeth and Macduff. There we <laughs> try. Uh, and... Yeah, to, to take away the to go back to uh, a more a bit a lower one. I was going to say it was a case of um, the Miz being one of the f- of the flock and the Rock being Raven, if you can yeah. imagine such a comparison. You could argue that, or the Miz being like Arn Anderson to the Rock's Ric Flair, or something like that. Oh, that's I don't think I think that's the only time I'm going to make that kind of comparison. Well, here's the comparison I'm going to make to you. I think when we look back in the wrestling history books. If you eliminate the notions of him as a wrestler, as to how good or bad the Miz is as a wrestler, I think he is the equivalent in this era, and here's where it's going to get controversial. He is this generation's million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Ooh. I mean, I thought the point you might have been going for is uh, more, and here's, here's, I guess, another controversial point. A this generation's version of Bobby the Brain Heenan, whereas Bobby the Brain was a wrestler but is not really remembered for wrestling. Uh, well, no, I mean, for Bobby, management Bobby uh, and the way he spoke. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say that Bobby the Heenan was more remembered for like his promos, his commentary, uh, his management, which seems to be more Mrs. Strong Point than his. In- I mean, not that he's a bad wrestler per se, but he just seems his wrestling seems to be dwarfed by his other uh, attributes. Mm. He will be this equivalent, this generation's equivalent of Bobby Heenan if he is taken away from the ring. But he's not. He is perennially seen as a wrestler, and he's not really played up the for now. For For now, he is for now. I agree with Jim Ross, who has said in the past that The Miz could make great work as a manager. If Vince McMahon was ever willing to go back to some of the tried-and-true means... And it's not like Paul Heyman is a detriment to Brock Lesnar. Paul Heyman is an attribute to Brock Lesnar. Similarly, The Miz could be an attribute and has been an attribute to other wrestlers in the past. He just, you know, he does it to annoy the smart fans, but he genuinely did help Daniel Bryan get a foothold in the promotion when it started. When Miz tapped out to Daniel Bryan at Night of Champions, that thing that was shown as a highlight in Daniel Bryan's career retrospective, that wasn't the crowd cheering Daniel Bryan as much as they were cheering the Miz losing. 
I'm sorry, and I'm the biggest Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson fan there is out there. You know, I'm as big a fan as anyone else. That is a fact. The majority of fans were reacting to Miz losing. They weren't reacting to Daniel Bryan winning in that moment. WrestleMania 30, SummerSlam 2013, all the other ones, yes, it's Daniel Bryan. But in that moment, it was the Miz that the fans were reacting to. Similarly, the Miz, when Alex Riley turned on the Miz, that was the biggest response he ever got. When Damian Mizdow was with The Miz, that was the biggest response Damian Sandow got. John Morrison was at his peak when he was in a tag team with The Miz. The Miz has an ability to help other people advance. I mean, the Let's Go Cena Cena Sucks uh, chants, you don't hear them that much in Miz matches. So there's another case, I'd say, there. Uh, that's That's more a lesser of two evils situation, I suppose. True, but it 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 works. Uh, I mean, um, if you get the desired response, no matter how what means you got, you achieved it via by you've you know you've technically got it. You've you've done the right thing there. Okay, let me go back to my Ted DiBiase analogy because if you look at what Ted DiBiase was, he had a run as a headliner, and that was also more as a supporting player to the story that was gradually unfolding with Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. His position in the WrestleMania 4 card was the equivalent of The Miz at WrestleMania 27 as a means to get to 28 and 29. That was a means to get to WrestleMania 5. But then in the mid-card, Ted DiBiase was always in a prominent position, and whoever he was feuding with, it was a key feud, and he helped the likes of, most obviously, Virgil, become the biggest star they've ever been. In the same way that The Miz was never bigger than when he turned against the... Uh, Miz Dow was never bigger than when he turned against The Miz. Virgil was never bigger than when he turned against Ted DiBiase. And when they separated, there was less for Virgil to do. Similarly, when The Miz separated with Damian Sandow, there was less for Sandow to do. When he split with when he split with Alex Riley, there was less for Alex Riley to do. So, I, I would, I would get maybe and Alex Riley analogy more. Of course, uh, some of that's of course some of that's down to the booking and the fact that Vince McMahon has ADHD and he can't pay any attention to anyone that's not important on the roster. But the Miz has constantly been able to refresh himself. He was, you know, he's the faux hawk guy. He's the Miz and Morrison guy. He's the Hollywood variant of himself he's reinvented himself in ways that other wrestlers haven't been able to do or haven't done as successfully i mean (coughs) he has i think his character has stayed the same in many ways but it has changed in many ways it's still annoying um millennial uh, I would guess is like Vince. In many ways, Miz is what Vince Petri- thinks a millennial is, um, or what he, what I believe he perceives a millennial to be, someone who's that vapid, that self-serving. Uh, well, he's a frat sort bro. of. That's what he is. He's a frat bro. I know that Alex yeah. Riley was the one with the you know the the college jacket or whatever it was, but the Miz embody that guy who thinks he owns the college and is a member of Phi Beta Kappa or whatever they're all called, you know, and wears multi, you know, wears pastel colored polo shirts. Drinking uh, Alka Pops at the side of a dance floor. Yeah, I've, I've yeah in a red paint cup or a red plastic cup, whatever they are, that they're in all those movies as Americans drink their piss weak beer. 
Uh, and he's he as a character I think he's become far more pronounced since he did come back more as a Hollywood thing uh, as the Hollywood style character from his most recent sabbatical I would say he's been they've tried to like do more stuff with him in some senses I mean they missed did a misstep I think when they made him a face that did not work on any that was a huge huge mistake He's not a baby face. He is a person that you, that ninety percent of the population will dislike at mm. all times. So, and you know, just like um, I don't know, you'd, you'd you'd never make Martin Shrekel a face. You know, mm. you you'd never make um, I don't know Hitler. Well, a bit excessive, but yeah, um, you'd never make uh, <laughs> you'd never make. Um, Who's that sport? You'd never make um, Cristiano Ronaldo a face. Ooh, <laughs> I disagree with that one because if he wasn't if he wasn't like playing that. for your club, you'd hate. You would okay. You wouldn't make Robbie Savage a face. That's better. Or Joey yeah. Barton. Yes, Joey Barton. Someone who can just start a fight in an empty room. Yeah, uh, Floyd Mayweather um, yes. is another example of someone who could not, isn't, just isn't the. Um, guy who you see cutting ribbons at memorial hospitals he's the guy who posts uh youtube videos of him withdrawing ridiculous amounts of cash for no concernable reason mm. um i mean it doesn't visit best way or anything like how that, else is he going to get women to wiggle their posteriors in front of him <laughs> some would say by you know uh talking to them and you know learning more about their personalities but <laughs> hey ho um that that took a weird turn <laughs> But to, to bring us back to our key point, the Miz as a babyface didn't work, and I think, and I, I want to ask you about this. What did you make of the moment they got Ric Flair to give him the figure four leg lock? That frustrated me. Think... Because okay. because I'd always thought it could be a great storyline before Ric Flair retired of him handing over the mantle of the Nature Boy saying that Buddy Rogers gave it to me and I'm going to give it to you, you being just someone. Well, when when it was before he was retiring, I wanted it to, him to do it with Dolph Ziggler, where he'd give him the robe and he'd give him the name, and then you could either have the wrestler rebelling against it, saying they're going to be themselves and enter a feud with Ric Flair and you know win that feud, and then Ric Flair does his whole retirement thing. Or it takes off and you've got a new nature boy and you've got you, you've got the inheritor of the buddy rogers rick flair dolph ziggler or whoever they would have gone with in afterwards but they didn't do that i don't i don't think there's anyone that could have really survived well that's why that's why i figured the logical end of that storyline would be for them to reject the mantle uh, and either turn it you know and and then turn heel on flair be their own person and hopefully win that feud afterwards but and then maybe they can take the figure four with them afterwards, but not the name and the the, the robe and everything. I think the big problem is that the Miz is not a technically competent guy, so he can't execute a particularly good figure four leg lock. It's perfectly serviceable, but <clears throat> it's that basic problem that you have with the Miz is do you believe the Miz can beat anyone in a fight? That's the big problem he's always had as a wrestler. He He doesn't look like... I feel like there's a chance I could take the Miz in a fight. Like he would, he would be all big Billy Big Balls, but 
but then I just catch him with one right hand and I'm not a tough guy and it would knock him for six because he didn't, you know, he's just a weakling. He's, you know, he's got no chin. That's always been the perception I've had with The Miz. So the idea of him getting into fights with guys like Daniel Bryan or with him, the idea of him being able to make Wade Barrett tap out to anything doesn't doesn't seem believable to me. That's, so, it's always like if he wins matches, it should be through shenanigans and, and trickery, not mm. legit hurting, to, hurting a person to the point that they have to give up, you know? Which sort of was one of the weird points when he was being part of the awesome truth. I yeah. mean, him and truth assaulting a main event paper, a, a main event of a pay-per-view uh, as hoodlums and wiping out everyone in a hell in a cell, which contains CM Punk, John Cena, Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. Uh, you know, taking out the refs, the cameramen, everything. Just truth and Miz were never really viable as badasses. And I think that's why, that Survivor Series match, I remember I watched that live um, at uh, what, at the local pub. And the atmosphere was so strange when we were watching that match. Uh, and none of the attention in that match was on The Miz. Same as this other big match. And I keep going back to WrestleMania 27. I mean, yes, he had his money in the bank win, which got, you know, sort of catapulted into there and his title win on Raw but his two flashpoints are that both the times he's been around the rock and you're right to grow back to your earlier point he was only ever used as a pawn in the rock scene a chess game Mm. and it's sort of sad really because and and recently like in the last few weeks um He's not. He's helped in the same way you uh, pointed out. He helped out Daniel Bryan. He's helped sort of incubate the the red hot nature that AJ Styles has had coming into the company, and he does serve a really good role. But I I think I think he was more a world heavyweight champion than he ever was a WWE champion. If I that wouldn't makes even sense. put him up there. I think that the world heavyweight belt got um, dragged down with the likes of him and Jack Swagger. But he would never have been even good enough for that, in my opinion. He's not, he's not, he doesn't give across the aura of ever being able to beat anyone up. And at some point, if you're world heavyweight champion, you should be able to beat someone up. And Swagger had way more legitimacy behind him than that, you know? It's, been, it's one of the things that's held back Ziggler, the idea of Ziggler as an exhibitionist more than he is a fighter. But even he had moments like with um, Rusev, I know people shit all over that feud but it was a sense of them fighting he would fight you i, yeah, it's I never got one that of those feud. things uh ziggler shows that scrappiness that miz never really did and as a face wasn't really convincing at doing yeah and ziggler's also got that amateur wrestling background yeah, exactly. that they could always they, they they never really fall back on that's it. the basic but problem, isn't it? people got you know these guys in theory the first time a wrestling fan saw Dolph Ziggler, well, they saw him as part of the Spirit Squad, but when they really saw him as Dolph Ziggler, he's got he's wrestling. That's the first thing you see him doing in a wrestling match. The first thing you saw Daniel Bryan do was wrestle Chris Jericho. The first thing you, you see any of these guys do is wrestle someone. The first things we saw The Miz do was take part in diva competitions and have a push-up contests on SmackDown and fight Daniel Pewter with oversized boxing gloves. 
and have <laughs> and, uh, and tried to seduce Mae Young, you know? Yeah. And have, you know, uh, naked, well, not naked, scantily clad, oily fat men grind on him. Yeah. That was what he was. And so you can't ever, I don't think you can ever remove that from the back of people's minds. That's that's not what you were perceived as by the WWE to begin with. You weren't a wrestler. And, well, and and of course he can build himself up. And Diamond Dallas Page did the exact same thing in WCW. Maybe that's another person you can compare him to, like a Diamond Dallas Page, someone who exceeded the expectations put on him. Well, I think he he has. He's not. You're right. He's not fully 100% escaped, but he's like 90 to 95% escaped. That I mean, no, I don't think anyone who watches the Miz now thinks of him as the shill. They think of him as that guy who does all those movies that go straight to DVD. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's an entertaining... He's. I think he's in the perfect position right now, where he's been for the last two years or so. He's exactly hmm. where he should have always been. It's where he's perfect. You can use him as a means for AJ Styles to get over a submission hole on SmackDown. You know, you can use him to hopefully give Neville something that might get people a bit more emotionally invested in him. You can use him for comedy segments. You can use him... As a you know a, a, a spark point between two other people that are feuding with his interview TV show, which is was which was to be honest that was one of the, that's one of the best things that Chris Jericho has ever given the WWE when he brought back that whole highlight reel interview segment as a means of giving a slight variation to an angle. You know you do wonder why anyone ever comes out to those things because there's always a fight. It, it's what always amused me about Jerry Springer, the Jerry Springer show. When someone would come out on that show all happy, and then they would say, oh, but Sarah here has something she wants to say to you. And they would go like, what? It's like, you're on the Jerry Springer show. What are you expecting to happen? Are they going to give you a cake? No, <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. But it's it's a great means of, of pushing a, a feud a bit further without, you know, and making it feel a bit different. And, you know, you've got the, the upside down WWE logo for the Miz and, and you know, him, his own microphone and his stupid hoodie look and everything like that. And his sunglasses. He's, he's a, in a great position now. And it's the position that he can hold until he retires as an in-ring performer. And then he can be a, he can be a brilliant manager. He's got that perfect. You could give him a perfect Ari goal from entourage sort of gimmick where he's got a you know a bluetooth in his ear like uh, Larry Sweeney used to have in Ring of Honor and he's just you know he's using his t- connections to try and make these you know give him a stable of wrestlers that would be brilliant and and he can be like um Bobby Heenan or Albano and be their tag team partner in six man and eight man tag team matches you know he he'd be perfect for that they're like halfway towards the best role that they can give him now. But but the WrestleMania thing, I think, will always hang over him like a millstone because he will probably go down as the most undeserving of WrestleMania headliners ever, really. Which I think is harsh, considering it's harsh, that Lawrence... But it's, but it's true. Oh, Lawrence Taylor headlined at WrestleMania, and he's not even a... A, a, a full-time wrestler. Yeah, but the thing is, within the within the context of celebrity wrestling matches, that's seen as one of the gold standards, you know. It's that and Floyd Mayweather's match. And, you know, Lawrence Taylor, an American footballer is legit. You can believe an American footballer can beat a wrestler in a fight, probably. 
And mm. but he's still not a wrestler who is headline who's main eventing a wrestling main event. I think it, to that me that's seen, just a bit. I think it was seen as a co-headline situation because it wasn't like Bam Bam Bigelow was a main event wrestler. He wasn't wrestling the equivalent of you know he wasn't wrestling Diesel. He wasn't wrestling Shawn Michaels. They were wrestling each other for the world title on that show as well. Mm. It was like a sideshow attraction. It wasn't the main attraction. You can easily you could easily push. WrestleMania as Diesel versus Shawn Michaels as the main event as much as you could Taylor and um, and Bigelow. Whereas WrestleMania 27, true, but then who's was, on the cover of all the posters? It was Cena Miz, and as good as that video package was that introduced the Miz when he came out, it still wasn't enough because they hadn't booked him well during that previous year's build up anyway. He'd been, you know, he'd lost to Daniel Bryan legit twice by submission. He'd lost the belt to Bret Hart. And the person he'd been feuding with before he was feuding with John Cena was Jerry Lawler. God, yeah, I mean, so they I mean, had Blair... no faith in him anyway. He was just an empty vessel. He was, he was a, he was just a means to an end. He, Who he, do he you was about blame? As, he was as bad as important to the storyline going forward as the referee was in that match. Who do you blame for that? Do you blame Miz <coughs> for being so Vince. compliant, or do you blame Vince for putting him in those situations? Vince for putting him in those situations. And then the legend goes that he was the person that was blamed for Survivor Series doing a terrible buy rate when it was Miz and R-Truth against The Rock and Cena. That was never well, Miz's fault. Yeah, considering R-Truth went in with... Um, about Considering he was about to get suspended for a wellness violation as well. Mm. So R-Truth, who had broken drug rules before one of the biggest matches of his career. I mean, what was the, what could the Miz really do in that situation when your own partner like fucks up quite that spectacularly? I can't remember the ins and outs of whether that was before or after it took place. It was, but the, they, the positive result was before the suspension started afterwards as they okay. didn't want to like, um, Shanghai themselves. Also, the Miz gets rightfully in trouble for not being able to catch anyone who does a dive on him outside the ring. It is quite remarkable how poor he is at catching people. Um, I mean, I watched the most recent one and he failed to do it. I can't remember who it was against. It might have been against Neville. And he failed to do it again. So it's not like he was, he's a man that doesn't have reasons to be demoted for his own actions. You know, if, you, if someone does eat your bloody... If someone is eating chicken over your luggage in a locker room, then you're within your rights to want to beat the crap out of him as far as I'm concerned. Um, but no, it was, it was Vince McMahon booking him in a position he shouldn't have been in the first place, booking him poorly in the build-up to it. They would like, they, again, like with Vince McMahon, he half-heartedly does it because he gives him that run where he's got the tag team belts and the US title and the money in the bank. That is, I, I'm, if I'm a nerd for anything... In wrestling, it's someone walking around with more than one belt. It's one of the reasons why I'm so gutted Conor McGregor isn't fighting for the lightweight title. Because I've always wanted to see someone holding two, you know, having two UFC belts over each of their shoulders, you know. I always think it's a great visual of showing just how dominant someone is if they're not holding just one title, but they have another title on top of that. I think that's always a great visual. So... They did it, they half. They halfway did it. If they really wanted to push Miz hard, they shouldn't have had him tapping out to Daniel Bryan. They shouldn't have had him tapping out to Bret Hart in a sharpshooter. They shouldn't have had him getting knocked out by the big show with one fist. You know, they, 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 they needed to make him look legit, and they only really did it with that video package just before the match. And, I, and the Miz did what he could. The Miz was never good enough to be a WrestleMania headliner. CM Punk was good enough to be a headliner. The Miz wasn't in the total package realm. As a personality, he was good enough for the most part. 
but he wasn't ever he never gave across an aura of 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 being you know a tough competitor that deserves to be there on merits of their skills in the ring he never gave that across and also in the way that he was booked before then you know there's there's only so much you can do with yourself but to flip the coin on that one who else could you think of who could have made all those losses uh, in that position he was as interesting and entertaining and as emotive as they were. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. CM you Punk me- yeah, doing it at the time. But you mentioned it earlier. Uh, him tapping out to Daniel Bryan, the fans loved the fact that he lost. Him losing to Bret Hart, the fans loved the fact that he lost. And that amplified the reaction. Well, I, I mean, that whole Bret US title thing was just an absolute mess. But him winning it was great because it was against The Miz in some people's eyes well i'll give you the example that's the perfect example look at the royal rumble before that wrestlemania match cm punk has his whole bit where he's with the nexus and he just keeps eliminating person after person after person then john cena comes out takes all out all of the nexus and it's john cena and the cm punk in the ring and the fans are going apeshit because they want to see those two fight each other and that was through the promo work that cm punk was doing in the builder that was through the work that CM Punk had been doing throughout the match. That was being done through the story that was being told of him using the Nexus as a means to get through. And then you look at later on in that show when the when John Cena and Randy Orton tries to do that Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan standoff. Crowd don't give a crap. When you see John Cena going face-to-face with The Miz, the crowd don't give a crap. One of the main reasons for that being a year earlier, The Miz is doing that whole thing where he's calling out John Cena. And then John Cena treats him like a, you know, just squashes him. Because that's what The Miz was perceived as. CM Punk had made a natural build and evolution, and he was still seen as legit because of his world title runs against Jeff Hardy and the like. So he had a legitimacy that that The Miz didn't have. CM Punk is right. The WrestleMania 27 headline match should be the best babyface against the best heel, and that would have been John Cena against CM Punk. And that didn't happen. And because of that, then for the next two years, Vince McMahon was obviously always set on it being The Rock Cena won at WrestleMania 28, you know, once in a lifetime. And then Rock Cena 2 at WrestleMania 29. Twice in a lifetime. But I think, I think to sum up then... What is it, in... In, many ways, in many ways, The Miz is the antithesis of CM Punk. Instead of him coming in through the indie scene, he came in through the mainstream scene. CM Punk does everything that he's not he's told not to do. The Miz does everything he's told to do. I I would I would agree with that, but that's not always I mean is is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. It takes difference, you know, different people have different means of getting through. It wouldn't work if the whole WWE made was made up of a roster entirely consisting of like the Ring of Honor roster from 2010. It wouldn't work like that because it's a different audience. And there is an audience out there that likes reality TV shows and probably did start watching WWE because they recognize The Miz from the real world. There probably is. I mean, that was obviously a part of the, I think, the appeal of signing him in the first place. But I think it's worked out well. And I do believe The Miz does have his place in WWE. Um, Absolutely. He's found it. He needs to give it a bit more nuance, but... Basically, the Miz is doing the exact job that he should be doing. It's the WWE, so, that's, it's the WWE that's screwing up after the fact with guys like Sandow and Riley. And you know, if he'd have been allowed to go through with it, he would have probably done some good stuff with um, Neville. But the WWE just their booking nowadays is just the total craps. And the Miz is one of the few people that can make some good stuff out of what they give to him. 
Okay, so I want to ask you a two-parter question. Uh, so how much more of The Miz do we have left in as in his current role? And not not what you want his next role to be, but what do you think his next role will be within the WWE if he does have one? As a wrestler, I think he's only got two or three more years left. Well, I mean, he physically he's physically fit, but... Um... Yeah, he doesn't bump that much. No, like, no. He, he, he makes... He takes a bump well, and he, yeah. he makes everything look like he's having the crap. Put it this way. It's WrestleMania 32 now. I would be surprised if he's still on the roster as a wrestler by WrestleMania 37. Okay. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be that surprised if he was still around at WrestleMania 35, but he was, if he was still wrestling 10 years after his WrestleMania headline match, then I would be surprised. Fair enough. As for what his post-wrestling thing is, it would probably be something like a commentator. I think he is someone who would be very happy to be a WWE employee for life. And it probably would be as a commentator or, or something like that. If Vince McMahon wasn't against managers, or if Vince McMahon has left his position at that point, and Triple H is in charge, I think Triple H would be more receptive to the idea of wrestling managers and the like coming back. So my guess is he'll have some sort of corporate role within the WWE, or if he's not, then he'll probably be working in Hollywood as a TV producer or something like that. Maybe he'll be trying to make it as an actor or as a TV presenter. He's exactly the sort of guy that could host something on E or, or something like that. He's he's perfect for it. I mean, one I mean, one thing we haven't really touched on. I mean, I'm kind of glad we did because we didn't want to focus on his impact as a wrestler. But there's no other wrestler that gets involved, I believe, in so many WWE studio films or you know, just gets cameos in so many different shows or movies or such. Because he won't say no to anything. He's a he's a slut. <laughs> is he a slut is he, or is he a good employee? Uh, it's one of those two in things. In this man's I mean, case, that is both, you know. <laughs> there's a lot of overlap on reason, that Venn diagram. There's a reason the Godfather's coming into the Hall of Fame. Put it that way, you know. They say that Vince sees himself in guys like Lex Luger and John Cena and Hulk Hogan. I'm pretty sure there's a part of Vince McMahon that definitely sees himself in The Godfather. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, Vince is Vince is what Vince is. But at the end of the day, uh, The Miz is in a position now where he, he isn't a physical wreck after spending a decade at the top, which it, uh, for some guys who have won as many championships as him... Don't have the same luxury as saying. Never really had any major injury problems. Mm. Um, Will does have a level of job security, barring him doing anything kind of really bizarre or illegal uh, that many employees in the WWE don't have, and has had the privilege of just managing to buy his wife a modified Audi R8 as a birthday present. So he's he's done pretty well out of that. And if some people don't like him and never will like him, and still believe that Benoit was right not to, never to treat him as a wrestler. I don't think he cares. A heel's job is to make people dislike them. The Miz has managed to do that successfully for the vast majority of his wrestling career. And he's and he's carved out a pretty good life doing it. So And he's a very he's a very boxes. resilient man, you know? I remember him doing his big triumphant speech after he won the title and he was like in your face JBL. And he's perfectly warranted because I certainly didn't think he'd ever be WWE champion when he joined the WWE, just like I didn't think that with Daniel Bryan. I was very happy to be proven wrong with Daniel Bryan, and I will admit to being proven wrong with The Miz. <laughs> um, and 
he fought on and he fought on after he, you know, you go from headlining WrestleMania to being in that, you know, pre-show and multi-person tag team matches. You're well entitled like King Kong Bundy did to just take your ball and go home or become incredibly depressed and dispirited like CM Punk was, quite frankly. And he didn't. He kept going. And he carved himself probably his best niche since then. Probably probably his best stuff he did after WrestleMania 27. The only other stuff I think he could match that against maybe was the work he was doing with John Morrison. That was the only other stuff that he was maybe even more entertaining. The, his, the Dirt Sheet was the dirt sheet one stuff. of the finest... Um... Oh, what is it? Well, side shows they've had in quite some time, um, quite in a long time, I think ever possibly. Yeah. The Miz can't, the, the Miz has been able to find his niche on several different occasions. And he and he and John Morrison were rumored to be the writers for the Dirt Sheet as well. Hmm. So that just shows the creative mind he has, and he's he might end up. He's a legit funny guy. He might end up as a road agent for that reason, or I, or on... I don't know if he'll be a road agent. I think that if they use him, he'll be he'll be on camera. If you use the Miz, you use him for his skills on camera. You don't use him for his skills off camera. Oh, he could be one of those. I mean, he could be like fill the role that Jerry Mercury and Jamie Noble filled in J and J on that... camera, but also off camera. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about his mind and if he's very good at building matches or whatever. I know that CM Punk's joked about him just ignoring what the Miz has to say when they're in the ring and. Alberto Del Rio has said in the past how incredibly annoying the Miz is. So I think he would still struggle with being one of the boys with the wrestlers. Mm. But as far as an, a role on, I think if you use the Miz, you use him on screen. True, but he might have. He might have right. You know, yeah, we don't know protection. if he's if he's maybe this great producer to be made. But um, I'm sorry, but like if you look at the guys that they have doing that, it's it's your Dean Malenko's and your Billy Kidman's and your. Um, and your road dogs—they—they they aren't. It's not your misses. It's your Arn Andersons. It's not your misses. To to go back <laughs> to an analogy that you thought was inappropriate in the past. Although you know, Ted DiBiase did well in that role. So. Yeah. Well, you know, we we don't know. We we just don't know. Um, we're, we're only speculating on that ultimately. Mm. So I'm going to stick with it. I think I think if we look back at the Miz, I think we will look at. I think a generation of kids that have grown up will look back at the Miz in the same way that they, we look back at Ted DiBiase. By we, I mean me, not you. And you know, we. I hated him when he was a kid, and now as a grown up, I appreciate all the ways that he was able to make me hate him. And I think that's going to be the case for a lot of um, a lot of fans a bit younger than you, in the future. Uh, yeah, yeah. I- I'm happy to go along with that. I, th- I think that's a fair summation. Uh, and I think, as I say, I believe... You couldn't lace Ted DiBiase's boots as a wrestler, but there's more to wrestling than wrestling, as as CM Punk, unfortunately, uh, realised. And no one's really embodied that quite as much as The Miz has in the last ten mm. years. Exactly. So, at this point, I think we're going to have to go to Mount Rushmore, uh, Simon. Do you have your four Ms. Mount Rushmore moments that you think perfectly encapsulate his work? Yes. Um, I did deb- have a bit of a moral debate about whether or not I should include how I should cl- classify one of them. So I want to run that one by you first, sure. if I may. 
I don't know if you can count just the promo package before his title match at WrestleMania 27 yeah, yeah, or whether you, you have to count. What do you feel like? Any kind of moments that, that you think summarizes them is? So well, you gone for right, the video uh, package before WrestleMania. A video package before WrestleMania. Uh, his tap-out loss for the US title against Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, It's just one of those moments that didn't seem like much at the time, but is quite solidifying in both their careers yeah. for what it meant in hindsight. Oh, uh, it's hard to encapsulate this in a moment, but... Ah, no, yeah, I'm going to have his interview on Raw recently with... Uh, his Ms. TV segment on Raw with AJ Styles mm. for the way that AJ didn't have to say a word and yet was still the biggest, what the biggest star, a much bigger star when he left than when he arrived, considering he was on a talk show segment and he didn't get to speak. Mm. The way the Miz made that work so well just shows exactly the skill set he has. And the final moment, oof, uh, I'm going to pick a Mizdale moment. Okay. It's hard to pick just one. Um, I'm going to go for probably not the best moment, but it's in terms of the night after. Ah, yeah. The level to which um, it got the point. I'm going to go for the point with Mizdow where the Miz starts to getting properly annoyed with it. Because that shows how you can, without really berating or belittling a lackey, like physically, uh, or, you know, just being like a big domineering bully pushing around like a smaller man, you can be a proper piece of shit to someone <laughs> and get them behind, uh, get the crowd behind them. Okay. Okay. Uh, so those are your four Mount Rushmore reviews. You just want to go through them again? It is the WrestleMania 27 promo package. It's his US title loss to Daniel Bryan. His Miz TV segment in recent weeks with AJ Styles. And the turning point of Miz and Mizdal where he started becoming annoyed with Mizdal onwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am going to go with... First one I'm going to go with is when he first debuted on Raw after he broke up with John Morrison... His storyline was him calling out John Cena and John Cena not turning up because John Cena had much more important things to do. And then it ending with John Cena just utterly destroying him in a squash match, basically, a few months later uh, at the end of it, not making The Miz look competitive at all. And then we were meant to buy them two fighting each other like a year later at WrestleMania was a believable main event. So that's my first choice, his calling out of John Cena and his old Miz six john cena zero or something because it showed a lot of potential in him as a performer but maybe also made the notion of him as a main event talent almost seem like they were laughing at it themselves in a weird way then i'm going to go with him cashing in on randy orton for the wwe title because it was a moment i don't think a lot of us ever saw coming and it was such a a great heated it was built up one after the other after the other because you had wade barrett going for the title john cena coming back the Nexus chasing them off, Randy Orton being hurt in the ring, The Miz taking his opportunity, attacking, and actually winning the match, even though it's it's made a briefly competitive thing. I think Randy Orton played his role fantastically, and The Miz just losing his mind at actually winning the title. And, of course, that little girl in the crowd. Um, <laughs> giving... Ah, Miz girl. Yes. Uh, I think it was a demon fan or something they called it. Uh, I'm going to go with... 
his moment where he was facing off against CM Punk before the Elimination Chamber match. This was the one before uh, WrestleMania 28, I believe. Yes, WrestleMania 20. No, yes, WrestleMania 28. Uh, so it was, you know, it was the month before it all came back to the year after, you know, and, and see it. And the Miz was about to just take part in a 12 man tag team match after being the main event for the previous year. And it's CM Punk with the title. And he goes to the Miz and he goes to each of the pods to show, like, I'm the champ. And the Miz is in his pod and he's trying to look all fierce and angry and like, I'm going to kick your ass. And CM Punk just sort of doing a mock version of it and sort of putting his, crossing his arms and basically pointing out that when the Miz tries to look tough, he looks like a sulky seven-year-old. That was just the perfect encapsulation of, like I've said, CM Punk and the Miz kind of being two sides of a different, you know, the polar opposites of one another. And CM Punk sort of showing why he was truly the main eventer, because he can convey something that The Miz is incapable of doing. And I've also gone for a Mizdow one, but I've gone for the specific moment when Mizdow finally turned on The Miz at WrestleMania in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Crowd going crazy. What we built up literally over months before then, finally paying off. And then Mizdow getting eliminated by The Big Show straight after. Literally showing the WWE had no idea what they were doing after that point. It kind of showing that it was really about The Miz. And as soon as The Miz was eliminated, the storyline was complete. And there wasn't really anything for Miz there left to do. Yeah, uh, that just was baffled me for so many reasons. Um, but, it, I, but The Miz did everything that was expected of him. Yes. He oh, no, he, yeah, yeah, he did everything right again. Um, I just so remember that. Moment. And so did Miz there. I just remember that as the moment my 40 to 1 double of uh, Damien Mizdal and Sting lost. Uh, and then Sting lost to Triple H later that night. I was just like, who is booking this? Was that, was that your accumulator bet? Uh, it, it was a double. Uh, so just two results to get right, both of which should have happened and <laughs> both of which didn't. Never button WWE, kids. It'll only hurt your feelings. Okay, so to run down my four again, it was when the Miz started calling out John Cena. It was his cash-in of the world title at uh, the, the Raw After Survivor Series 2011, I want to say, or 2010. Jeez, that was so long ago. Um, him facing off against CM Punk at the Elimination Chamber match and CM Punk making fun of his face. And the Miz Dow turn at the Andre the Giant Battle Royal at WrestleMania 31. So we don't have a matching one, so one of us is going to have to give one up. I would argue that my Mizdow one was a bit more specific than yours. <laughs> so if there's one for you to drop, there's that one. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from there. Um, and to be brutally honest, it, well, I mean, thankfully you've got a Mizdow one because I'm not really keen to drop the other yeah. three. Yeah, no, I, that's what I said. I, 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 I said that's the, my Mizdow one. I just think... Okay, so is I don't it... know. I, I, I just think the punk one when we take away the Mizdow issue that I think the punk one's a bit of a weaker one than mine. I, I, that was just the point I was making, but I'm happy to share the Mizdow one. Okay. I just like, I guess I was, I, I got fixed. I, I've been fixated on the idea of the Miz as like the anti punk, mm. literally the anti punk. I can't imagine he has a punk record. I can imagine the only punk record that Miz owns is maybe American idiots. Maybe uh blink one, eight, two. 
Hey, Avril Lavigne's pretty punk. <laughs> yes. It's not punk if you're not using text speaking your lyrics, is it? <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. So, uh. that has been The Miz. Uh, I don't know that there'll ever be a more controversial WrestleMania headliner. Except maybe Roman Reigns. <laughs> well, we'll see what the main event for this one is. I mean, yes. if it is Shane versus Undertaker, that, that there's a strong case there. Yes, possibly. I don't think it will be though. But no. that that was our episode. If you have opinions, we'll have to make a we'll make a Facebook post about the Miz, and you can give us what maybe you think will be your Mount Rushmore moments and what you agree, what you disagree with our opinions. Uh, what is the name? What do you have the web address for our Facebook account, or should they just search? Uh, uh, let me. They can search. Let me tell you something. They can. Where's Where's more importantly, do they find us actually speaking? Uh, uh, it will be at SoundCloud.com/slash Chess Club Rebels. Smashing. Eventually, and... we will get an iTunes feed for this podcast when one of us can understand how this newfangled technological thing works. I mean, yeah. I mean, neither of us bless bless our souls are very technical. Technically. Uh based really i would say in terms of how good we are mm. at things it's it's just let me tell you something you don't really have to search any more than that yep. to find ourselves uh you're just looking for the man with the beret and the Rey mysterio mask you can't really go too wrong with we should change that. that logo at some point in the near future we should we yes. should but um i so, really quite like it. simon if people want to get in touch with you via other means how can they do so if they want to get in touch with me, I'm available via Facebook. Um, I'm also available via Twitter, where I am Simon Cross Free. Um, so named as uh, Simon Cross, both Simon Cross One and Two, who uh, were masked wrestlers. I am the third incarnation of the masked wrestler, uh, like the Mister Wrestling Legacy. Uh, yes, yes, exactly like that. Or the Vidianos. Uh, indeed, indeed. Um, or Black Tiger. You could call me the third incarnation of Simon Cross's Black Tiger or Tiger Mask. Tiger Mask. So that would make you uh, Koji Kanemoto or Indeed. Silver King. That's pretty good. Those are some pretty good uh, boots to fill. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Okay, um, so that was it for you, was it, Simon? That's all you could Yeah, that, that, that was it for me. I mean, you can yell at me in the street if you see me in the street. Well, you uh, messed us, so I think most people do anyway, don't they? Uh, it, it does tend to happen on occasion. I'm not going to lie to you. The moment the people in Leicester are just pinching each other, even more so than usual, everyone's uh, convinced the other that they must be dreaming. It's really eerie. It, week by week, it actually feels like it might happen more and more. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think they're in a state of shock, mm-hmm. uh, a preemptive surprise shock. If it actually happens, I don't know what will happen. Uh, it, but it'll be incredible. There will be people. You'll have to. You'll have to take your camera phone out and go into the city centre, and just be a like a you know a citizen journalist as an entire oh, yeah. city sort of has the most positive riot there's ever been. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, my name is Lorcan Mullen, and you can find me on Twitter with that handle L O R C A N M U W L A for Apple N. If you want to email me, that's the email address, LorcanMullen at gmail.com. I also have a book about my lifetime as a professional wrestling fan available via Amazon. If you have a Kindle app for your phone or an e-reader of any description, then get yourselves a copy of Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. If you thought Frank McCourt could recall his life as a poor boy in Ireland and make you cry... 
They're me telling you about my life as a wrestling fan. It won't necessarily make you cry, but it will make you nod rightfully. <laughs> so that is the best I can offer you. And that is all that we have to offer you today. Is there anything else you have left to say, Simon, about The Miz or anything else? Uh, no, but I, do, I just want to say that that did make uh, you sound like one of those more realistic dating profiles you see <laughs> on like, the second or third page of search results. <laughs> and that's all I can aspire to in this life. <laughs> so from Simon Cross, this is me, Lorcan Mullen. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a great time. Until the next time, farewell. who you know really don't like each other so we can know next time we see him in the ring wow we'll watch for fireworks or maybe it's somebody the guy that you least like that you're in the ring with sometimes the miss i hate the miss <laughs> that's my I, guy I, right there i, I this is not part of the show i really dislike that guy <laughs> I, I try i try to punch him in the in the face several times not in not in the ring i mean outside oh, the really? ring but yeah, you know yeah. he's just a, a little what like, happened? A, like a little girl he's yeah. always Running away from me. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm so glad you're saying this because I had the same experience. We actually had him on the on the phone on our program, and I I can't stand the guy going back to his reality TV days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the reason I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> he just thinks too highly of himself. He's too big of a fan of. But you're a big fan of yourself too. Maybe you guys are too similar, Alberto. No, 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 no. Come on, hey, I don't want to <laughs> no. hit you with this chair, man. <laughs> don't force me I'm to sorry. do it. Don't force <laughs> me to do it. Yeah. No, there's a big difference. <laughs> Between the miss and I, I'm a real athlete. He's just a loud, stupid little kid. It's, it's one of those guys who was probably uh, bullied when he was in school, and uh, that's the reason now he's also loud and he wants to get attention from everybody. Wow. But, but in my case, I'm the real deal. But he, he probably has a lot of female fans too, doesn't he? I don't think so because he's fat and ugly. Yeah, there it is. Not mincing his words. Yeah.